All right, well, welcome to week number one of our series called No No Parenting. Now, how many of you as a child remember vividly hearing the words no no? Any of you? I know I remember from grandparents, from aunts and uncles, from friends, from people I didn't know, from especially my parents. If I ever did anything on the slightest verge of mischief, I would hear no no. Now, there's different, there's different forms and tenses of no, no. Um, like, for instance, yesterday, my 18-month-old Cohen uh, was pulling at the curtains, and I gave him a polite, no, no. Have ever, ever done that? Like, no, no. Like, I don't know why we try to make it, like, friendly. We should just be like, no, stop. Don't do that. But we're like, no, no. Like, we're giving him a chance, and then he does it some more. And it's almost like we're making a game of it, because we're saying, no, no. And he's like, are you serious? And so we look back and forth at each other until it gets to a point where I'm like, you're going to rip them down. Like, stop. No, no. No. And I start shaking fingers and stuff. And then he's like, okay, you serious? And I got to thinking uh, just over the course of my life as a parent for the last four years, four and a half years, about the phrase no, no, how it's always directed at kids and children. It's usually coming from parents or people in authority. But then I got to thinking how there are some obvious and blatant mistakes that we as parents make to which someone should say to us, no, no, that should not be taking place. You should not be doing that. That's a mistake. It's a huge mistake. It's got implications that are going to affect your child for the rest of their life. And it's a mistake. Now, before we jump into any content this morning. I need to make a confession that, um, honestly, I probably don't need to make, especially if you know me, but um, I don't claim to be an expert on parenting, okay? So we can just get that out. You're not hearing today from a parenting expert who has uh, studied parenting, who has gotten doctoral studies in the topic of parenting, who has done research uh, with a plethora of different parents. Uh, I am a four and a half year old parent uh, who is looking to gain as much insight from this series as hopefully you will if you have kids. Uh, but also if you're a child and you have parents, my goal for you is that you would gain uh, some insight as to the goal of your parents' role uh, in your life. And so you're not hearing today from an expert, but I do want to tell you that I'm basing a lot of material that I'm going to be sharing with you on a book. It's a new book out, and it's called 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid. 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid. You should write that down. You should make a note. It's by Dr. Tim Elmore. It has a subtitle that says, Leading Your Kids to Succeed in Life. 12 Huge Mistakes that parents can avoid. And he outlines, uh, based on some real research, some things that he would consider as mistakes. Um, second confession that I want to make is I'm going to say some things in this series that you disagree with. Okay? Now, uh, let's kind of get on the same page with disagreeing. We all have different parenting styles. Can you agree? Um, in fact, there was, a, there was a recent nationwide survey where parents were asked to grade themselves on their uh, success in parenting. And uh, American parents gave themselves a grade of an A or a B on average when it came to their parenting skills. But they gave all other parents, when they were asked about other parents, they gave them an average of D. Okay, so we all think we're an A or a B, and we all think that you and I are a D. And so we know that we disagree. Uh, but there's a difference in parenting styles from the purpose 
that we have as parents. And we all have different parenting styles. Uh, some of you spank, and some of you do timeouts, and some of you have other forms of discipline. Okay, Some of you would say, I don't think you should ever spank, and uh, my son's going to testify that uh, he wished that was a statement that his parents uh, would claim, because we are spankers, and I grew up being spanked, and I believe in it strongly, but you believe just as strongly, potentially, that you shouldn't spank. That's his parenting style, and it may for you be such a conviction that you would take it beyond a style and say that it's a definite truth, but uh, we can probably agree that for the most part it's a style. And, and we tend to judge one another differently than we judge ourselves because we all have different styles. And you've been in the restaurant with the screaming kid at the different table and you said, you know, I can't believe that they don't discipline that kid. And then if you've ever been the person at the table with the screaming kid, uh, you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm trying everything I can to figure this out. And you know that you have sympathy with the other people that have screaming kids. And we all just have this parenting journey that we're on that we're trying to figure it out. Um, and one thing that I was never given at the hospital when we saw our first son, Landon, come into this world was a definite manual that we were to take home that gave us complete instructions and, and made everything easy for us. It just didn't happen. We've had to figure things out along the way. And I'll say that our style has changed over the last four and a half years. I can remember when our first son, Landon, was born when he was a baby. And anytime he would make a noise, I would just be like, you know, is he dying? Is he choking? Is something happening? You know, let me run and check on him. And now Cohen, you know, he'll be screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm like, well, he'll cry himself to sleep in a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's just changed because I've got some history with parenting. And I understand some things now about raising kids that I didn't understand when we first began. And so this journey called parenting that we're on, if you have kids or if you hope to have kids one day, is, it's a difficult challenge. Uh, it's hard. And, and there's such a competitive nature when it comes to parenting that is so unfair to carry a weight of competition on your shoulders. You've heard of the perfect family who had their kids potty trained when they were six months old. And they were eating solid foods by eight months old and, you know, cutting up their own steaks and everything. And you're just like, what am I doing wrong? Because that's just not my story. And I just want to tell you today that this is not a lecture on parenting styles with tips on how to get your child to sleep through the night, with tips on how to get your uh, children to behave better, uh, with tips to have an outcome to have good children. Because you've heard me say before, if you've been around Synergy, that I think one of the worst goals that we can have as parents is to raise good kids. Because good is sometimes uh, the complete enemy of godly. And I think as Christian parents especially, we should strive to raise godly kids, not just good kids. And so today, I want to share with us one no-no, one parenting no-no, that um, I believe kind of overshadows a lot of the other no-nos that we're going to talk about uh, because it gets to the core of the purpose that we have as parenting. And, and I think that if we can understand and agree on some things when it comes to this no-no that I'm talking about today, then hopefully it'll give us a basis and a platform throughout the rest of this series to really bear down and just make some difficult decisions if needed, uh, to make some 
uh, some wise steps if needed, and to step back and honestly evaluate how we're doing as parents. Because at the end of the day, you're raising kids to go out into a world on their own, and you want them to be successful. You don't want them just to be successful when you're in your house, but you want them to be successful when they're on their own. And if that's the goal that we have, then we've got to be intentional about some things to make sure that we're headed in those directions. Um, here's, here's how I feel like a lot of parents approach parenting. And I wouldn't say that they intentionally do this, but I think that we just get caught up in the world of parenting. And now with social media and, and everyone brags on their kids, which is a great thing to do, we sometimes see parenting skills in other parents that we are envious of, that we're jealous of, that we're like, you know, wow, I, I don't really see that happening for me and my kids. And so I've got to change some things, and we, we carry a lot of pressure. Um, two times now, uh, I have been forced into running the Peachtree Road Race. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a 10K, it's a 6.1 mile race, and uh, it's not something on my to-do list every day just to go out and run that far. But my wife uh, loves to run, and she talked me into it because someone gave us free numbers. And uh, one thing that I noticed about the Peachtree is that everyone who runs the Peachtree is not trying to win. If, if you've ran the Peachtree, you know that everyone who's running the Peachtree is not trying to win. They're not trying to come in first place. Uh, most people... Of the over 50,000 people that run this race, an estimated 60,000 plus now, most people are doing it for the experience. They're doing it to have fun. They're doing it because it's enjoyable, and they've got something that they can share with other people that's an accomplishment to them. And I can remember running this race and agreeing not to like try to win the race, not that I would even come close, uh, but just to enjoy the experience. And so I just soaked in the different bands that were playing along the side of the road as we ran, the different uh, organizations and churches and groups that were handing out water and donuts and any other thing that you could think of as you're running down this race. Um, and one of the things that stood out to me is that there are a lot of people who dressed up in costumes to run this race. There were firemen who, who wore full fire gear as they ran this race because they were supporting certain causes. And there were people that had like these, these skin-tight suits that I would never wear running this race. And it was quite apparent that they were just doing it to have fun and for the experience. They weren't trying to win. They weren't focused. There was no goal in their mind. They just wanted to have a good time. And unfortunately, I think it's easy as parents sometimes just to have a lackadaisical approach to parenting that says, you know, I just want to have a good time with my family. I just want to enjoy life. I just, I just want to have fun. I want, I, want, I want my family to love one another and be good. And, and we don't think, like, there's a goal for us when it comes to parenting that we should be pursuing and that we should be running towards, that we should be trying to win and run the best race that we can run. But sometimes we just kind of fall back and we're just like, let's just have fun with this. You know, it's just so much easier if we do things differently. And what's going to happen is we're going to get to the end of our race one day and we're going to run out of time with our kids and they're going to go off on their own. And we're going to have to answer the question in our mind, did we do the best job that we did in preparing our kids for success? And hopefully for all of us, the answer is yes. 
Hopefully we'll all be able to say we have, we have given them every chance to succeed in this life. And we can be proud of them when they do. Because starting at early ages, we were intentional about where they are. So wherever you are in the, in the realm of parenting, whether you have teenagers who are getting ready to start life on their own, or whether you have young kids, or whether you don't have kids and you're planning to have kids at all, let me give you the first no-no that we're going to talk about in this series that hopefully will help us grow as parents. The first no-no is that we prepare the path for our children rather than preparing our children for the path. We prepare the path for our children rather than preparing our children for the path. It's been documented that in today's culture, a full one-third of males, of men, young men, one-third of men between the ages of 22 and 34 still live at home with their parents. Still live at home with their parents. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But if the goal for us is to raise kids to be successful on their own, then we want to make sure that we're preparing them for that. So the question becomes, why, why is our culture more than ever, more than ever making it easier for grown adults to live at home with their parents. And I'm not criticizing you if that's you, and I'm not saying that that you're bad for that, but I'm just saying, what is it that's a growing trend that didn't used to be a reality that is now currently a reality that's allowing parents to hold on to their kids longer and longer? There was a survey that, that went out to corporations across America And one article reported that 50% of the jobs available to recent graduates, recent college graduates, of jobs that were available to them that they applied for, they went unfilled because the young people didn't possess the basic communication and leadership skills necessary for the positions. So, So students are graduating college and they're applying for jobs that they aren't prepared for And the question is, why is that number growing and increasing more and more when it didn't used to be the case? And I think it comes back to the fact that we have a responsibility as parents to prepare our kids. And sometimes we tend to allow that responsibility to fall on other people, whether it's the church or whether it's schools or whether it's other family members in our lives. And we sometimes forget that, hey, we have a responsibility We need to step up and make sure our kids are prepared to be successful when they enter the real world. What a shame it is that that kids are graduating school after having paid thousands of dollars to go to school, most of which is going to be borrowed money that they're going to pay back for most of their life, and they can't get jobs because they're not prepared, according to these corporations. It's also been said that the Department of Defense estimates that 75% of young Americans are not even eligible to serve in the military because they either didn't graduate from high school, they're obese, or they have criminal records. That 75% of people in America aren't fit to serve in our armed forces. They're not qualified. They don't possess the basic skills necessary to be accepted into military service. 
Now, if any of those statistics affect you, there's no condemnation. I'm not trying to call you out and say that you're doing things wrong or your parents did things wrong. I'm just saying there's a growing trend in America. These numbers are increasing that more and more parents are holding on to their kids longer and longer and the children are becoming less and less prepared to be successful when they enter the real world. This is a mistake. This is a huge mistake. This is something that needs to be fixed and corrected. This is something that's got to change. And I think the best place for it to change is starting in the church. We'll just talk about it and say, the goal of parenting isn't for your kids to be happy. The goal of parenting isn't uh, for your kids to to love you and, and adore you and think that you're the coolest person on the planet and you're such a great friend to them. Or even to be a role model and set a great example for them. Your goal, your responsibility as a parent, you've been entrusted by God with a life, with lives. And your responsibility is to prepare them for the purpose that God has in store for them. That we equip them, that we give them the tools necessary to be successful, to do anything in this world that God's called them to do. That's our goal. That's our purpose as parents. Now, I want to read a scripture to us, and, and you can probably guess what the scripture is. If you've heard any scriptures on parenting, you would say, I guarantee you, he's going to say Proverbs 22.6. And I am, and we're probably going to come back to it in the course of this series, uh, because I think it's such a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. But I want to point out uh, something and, and, and hopefully help you see something a little differently in this passage than before. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train a child... In the way he should go. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Train a child, the word of wisdom here. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. And that seems like such such a daunting task, yet it, it's made to sound so simple. And most of the times when I've heard this passage, I've tended to think, you know, I've got to teach them the right things for life for them to be successful. But I, I just want to point out one thing in this passage. That we're to train the child in the way they should go. Let me give you a different version. Let me give you the, the NNV version. This is the, this is the no-no version. I made this up. This isn't real scripture. Just... I wanted to make sure that you're aware of that. This is, I think, how parents sometimes parent. Prepare the way for a child to go, and when he is old, he will not turn from you. Prepare the way for a child to go, and when he is old, he will not turn from you. I think that's how a lot of people parent today. That they spend a lot of time preparing the way for their kids making the path easy for their children, making the path enjoyable for their children, making the path the path of least resistance for their children, trying to give their children the best life they can, and in doing so, the intentions that they have in making their child have the best life they have is actually crippling their kids in some ways. Because they're not focusing their energy on training the child They're focusing their energy on preparing the path or preparing the way. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. And so I had to ask myself this week, you know, 
What have I been striving for most in the life of my kids? Do I want to give them the best path possible so that they can enjoy life? Or do I want to train my kids for the path that God has in store for them? And there's a huge difference. And here's where I think we start out going wrong. I think that as parents, sometimes we have the wrong scorecard. I do. I I think that, that we value the wrong things when it comes to parenting our kids. And we call success the wrong success when it comes to feeling like we win with our kids. Here's some things that, that I'm guilty of feeling myself and, and maybe you can relate to. Sometimes we feel like we win if we provide ease and comfort for our kids. You ever felt like that's a win? Like I, I make life easy for my kids. I do the hard things for them so that their life is easy and I'm always there to make sure that they're comforted no matter what situation they're in so that they don't face as much resistance as they could because I'm making things easier for them. You ever made a statement, probably when you were still living at home with your parents, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do things so much differently. You ever made that statement? I've made that statement. And now that I'm older and I have kids, I find myself doing a lot of the same things that my parents did that I said I would never do because I am understanding more and more that parenting isn't about the kid having the best possible life. It's about preparing them, training them for the path that God has for them. Now, rightly so, some of you, let's just be honest, you had terrible parents. Some of you had parents that weren't in your life. They didn't provide for you. They didn't love you. They didn't care for you. And by all means, I would never tell you that you should not try to be different from your parents. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying so many times, the things that we said when we were younger that we would do differently than our parents are centered around this idea that my life isn't as good as it could be because of some decisions that you're making and how they affect me. And I'm going to do that differently for my kids because I want my kids to have a better life than I'm having. And don't we forget sometimes that the life that we had prepared us for the life that we have now? And we would trade a lot of things in, no doubt. We would trade a lot of things in, no doubt. And our parents all have made some major no-nos. And you can identify them, you can point them out. And I'm not saying that, that they were right and you shouldn't try to do things differently. I'm simply saying that the heart behind a statement, a lot of times in saying, I want to do things differently from my parents, is centered around the fact that you feel like your parents could have provided you a better life. And sometimes that simply means it could have been easier. It could have been more comforting. I could have been happier. And not that those things are wrong, but that's just not the end goal. Here's some other things that we feel like are wins. We feel like we win if our kids love and adore us. Like if we never do anything to make our kids mad at us, that's a win. If our kids never say anything bad about us, they only say great things about us. They have friends who can't stand their parents right now because their parents are making decisions that are making them unhappy. And when they begin to say, you know, I can't stand this about my parents, you get so proud when your kids are like, I love my parents. My parents are awesome. And we all want that. Why wouldn't we want that? But if that's our goal in parenting, It's for our kids simply to say that they love and adore us 
and we never do anything harsh to them, and we never do anything to upset them, and we never do anything that causes them not to experience something they want to experience, then we're preparing the path for the child rather than the child for the path. That's a no-no. It's a huge mistake because it's going to lead to some crippling effects for our kids in the future. And sometimes we simply say we, we win if our kids feel enough love. We look around the world and we say there's lots of kids that don't, don't experience love. They've got rough lives. They've got parents that aren't involved in their lives. They've got parents that abuse them and mistreat them, which are obvious no-nos. And we feel like if we can just make our kids feel loved, then we've been successful and we've won as parents. But it doesn't stop with kids just feeling loved. That's not the heart and the purpose that we have as parents. And so we have this tendency to want to make life easy for our kids, to clear a path for them that makes things easy and makes them happy and gives them so much joy in life that we will do anything that we can do to make them happy. But the problem is, when our kids grow up and they leave our home and they go out into the real world and they begin pursuing jobs and getting involved in relationships, they're going to have a rude awakening if that's been their reality for the last 18 years. And they're going to realize that not everyone else in the world will do anything to bend over backwards to make them happy. That everyone else out there in the world isn't going to clear the path for them to make life easy isn't going to try to give them a step up on the average person. And they're going to face this dark reality and finally understand that life isn't simply about them. And they're going to wish, they're going to wish that they could look back on their life and have experienced some things that at the time they didn't enjoy and at the time they didn't feel like was loving, and at the time they didn't understand, but they now understand that it prepared them for a world in which they're called to be successful. Here's, here's three categories that every situation as parents will face with our kids. There's three categories that those situations will fall into. Number one, there are situations that are they're in my control. Situations that are in my control. As a parent, you have certain things that you're in control of when it comes to your kids. Number two, there are situations that are out of your control. Situations that are out of your control. Situations that are in your control. Situations that are out of your control. And then thirdly, there are situations that are within my influence. That are within my influence. So let's talk for a moment about situations that are in your control. Uh, Things like your attitude towards your kids. Things like the food they eat, the home that they live in, the love that we display towards them, the resources that we provide, the examples that we set, the discipline that we extend. Those are things that we're in control of when it comes to our kids. We can control our demeanor when it comes to our kids. We can control how we provide for our kids to an extent. And we can control making sure that they're cared for and their basic needs are met and the necessities of life are there for them. And sometimes people don't step up 
and take responsibility for things that they should be in control of, and they expect others to do that. And that's, that's a no-no. But our goal when it comes to things that we're in control of is to simply take responsibility for them. To say and understand, I am in control of certain things with my kids, and I'm going to take responsibility for that. And if there's shortcomings or failures, I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to make things right in the life of my kid. Sometimes this means making hard decisions. Sometimes it means making what seems to be unfair decisions in the eyes of your kids. And sometimes it seems to be harsh to your kids. But you can control certain things when it comes to parenting. But then there's certain things that are they're just not in your control. They're not in your control. The way other kids treat your child, you're not in control of that. As much as we want to be, and we want to correct other children to make the path easier for our kids, we're not in control of it. We're not in control of our own kids' actions, ultimately. And we discipline and train them and try to teach them the right ways, but at the end of the day, every person that God creates on this earth will answer to him for their own actions. And sometimes we unfairly look at people and and blame the parents for some of the children's decisions, but, but you can't control every decision that your child makes. Some of you, that's freeing for you to hear. I can't control everything that my child makes. They make some mistakes, and it's not always my fault because I can't control everything that my child does. You can't control the, the kind of teacher that your child gets. You can't control your child's attitude towards you. You can discipline and correct it, but you can't control it. You can't manipulate it. You can't ensure 100% that it will be a certain way. You can't control how happy your child is completely. You can't control how talented your child is. You can't control how smart your kid is or how good looking your kid is. There are certain things that God has given to your kids that are their reality. And as much as we want certain things for our kids, there are certain things that we just can't control. Not everyone's going to have the best athlete on the football field, and not everyone's going to have the best-looking young lady in the pageant. Not everyone's going to have the most talented musician when it comes to kids. I don't care how much you want that to happen or how much you try to teach that and make it happen. You can't control certain things. And when it comes to things that we can't control... Here's what we've got to learn to do. We've got to learn to trust others and stop worrying. Trust others and stop worrying. It's okay if somebody else was potty trained before your kid. It's okay. You can't control everything. It's okay if your kid doesn't make the team. Even if you feel like they should, you can't control everything. If your kid is given the teacher that all the kids talk about gives the most homework and it's going to be so hard and life's going to be so difficult for the next semester, you can't control all that. But where we get in trouble is when we start wanting to prepare the path for our kids instead of preparing our kids for the path. And when they face some resistance, we want to go and try to fix things and make them right and make them easier. And we try to talk to the coach and say, look, he should be on the team. He should be playing more. We try to talk to the teacher and say, you know, we've got to change these things. Because we do get caught up in the path that is ahead of our kids. 
And we want it to be the path of least resistance and the easiest path. But if we're not careful, that will become our sole focus. And we don't want other kids to mistreat ours and to bully ours. But at the end of the day, we've got to realize there are certain things that I cannot control, that I can't change. And when it comes to those things, I'm going to stop worrying about them. And I'm going to focus on my child and helping them get through those situations. I'm going to prepare them for the path rather than preparing the path for them. And then thirdly, there are situations that are within your influence. There's things you can control. There's things you can't control. But there's some things that are within your influence. And when it comes to things that are within your influence, you've got to make sure that you respond by acting wisely and strategically. And be intentional as you can about having the greatest influence that you can have on the kids that you've been entrusted with. Here are some things that are within your influence. You can help your child develop a healthy worldview. You can't force them to see the world in a certain way, but you can sure influence it. And you can help them to understand that the world doesn't revolve around them, but they're part of a world that's so much bigger than them. You can affect that. You, you can influence enabling your child to be prepared for challenges that they're going to face. Instead of what we want to do is remove challenges from our kids, we can influence our kids as they're walking into challenges and help them understand, listen, there's some things that you're going to go through. There's some difficult things. This is some things that I've been through. You can learn from me. And you just need to know, you need to understand, you need to learn. Allow me to help shape your approach and your style when it comes to facing some of these challenges. You can prepare your kids to relate well to others. You can. You can teach them what it means to, to be friendly, to, to put others first, to, uh, to be selfless, in relationships. You can, you can teach your kids to know what is right. You can help them understand that certain things in life are right and wrong. You have that influence. And you don't have that control and you can't make decisions for them, but you can sure influence your child when it comes to knowing what's right and wrong. And you can equip your child to work hard. You don't have to have lazy kids. You can have an influence on them and teach them and and help steer them in the direction of, of being a responsible adult as they enter the world on their own. Those are things that you can influence. So when it comes to things that you can't control, you've got to learn to trust others and stop worrying. When it comes to things that you can control, you've got to take responsibility for those things and step up and be the best that you can be when it comes to things you control. But understanding that there are some things that are within your influence We've got to make sure that we respond wisely, that we're intentional about those things. Here's how I kind of see preparing the path for your child versus preparing your child for the path. Have, have you ever taken a young child, if you had young children at some point, or you currently do, you take your child somewhere where there's things within reach that are breakable, and, 
And there's lots of things within reach. Maybe, maybe at a grandparent's house, may, maybe you're at a, a friend's house, you, you go somewhere and there's, there's trinkets, there's things that you're just like, oh, they're going to break everything in here. This is not going to be good. There's two things that you can do. Number one is you can say, I'm going to remove everything that's breakable and childproof this room. That's my choice. And why is that my choice? It's so much easier. It's so much easier to just allow your kid to, to not have anything that's a temptation that they could potentially break. You just remove the obstacle from them. That's, that's the easiest thing to do. It takes some work on the front end, and then you're done. Or there's the approach that says those things are breakable, and we're going to leave them there, and we're going to teach our kids not to break them. You're a better man, you're a better dad than me, if that's you, if you've got kids my age. Here's what I think that we should do. Here's what I think that we should do. As our kids are at their earliest ages, it's important for us to remove things that could be harmful for, for them. They don't understand that certain things are breakable. They don't know what they're doing. They're not at an age to be disciplined enough not to go after something that's shiny, so we remove the things. But, but as they become older, we transition from removing obstacles in their life to teaching them that there are obstacles in their life. And we no longer remove them, but we train them not to break things. Stop throwing balls in the house. This is not a hard concept. Go outside if you want to throw the ball. You've broken enough of my stuff. I'm tired of putting everything up. I want some decorations. You're 17 years old. It's finally time for me to be able to have some things that I enjoy in life. Okay? I'm pulling them out of the closet, and if you throw a ball again, like, I'm just, it's not going to be good. We've got to make that transition. And here's the thing. The earlier that we make that transition, the better we're preparing our kids to be successful when they enter the real world. So we transition from control to influence as soon as we can. And it's different for every kid. There's no formula here. I'm not telling you when your kid hits a certain age, you know, you no longer try to remove things that are breakable in that scenario. It's different for everybody. You figure that out as a parent. But your goal, your goal is to transition from removing all the obstacles so that your kid can do anything they want and not break anything to leaving obstacles and teaching your kids you have potential to break things and you need to change. You need to grow up. You need to learn that breaking things isn't okay. And if we have an approach in life that is control-driven, we will always have a tendency to want to change situations so that our kids can't be hurt. But the goal as parents is to, as soon as we can, transition into more of an influential role and teach our kids, there are things that can hurt you in your path. And I'm not going to remove them. You know, you, you didn't do your homework. I'm not going to the teacher and tell them, like, hey, give my kid a break. You know, you, did, you made that decision. Now you're going to live with the consequence. You're old enough to understand now. I, re I remember when I was a freshman in college, and on the first day of class, I received a syllabus. And in that syllabus, there was a date that said I had a book to read, and there was a test on another certain date. 
And I showed up on that other certain date, and everybody had these books out. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, we got a test today. I'm like, a test today? And I wanted just to be like, you know, I'm going to go to my basketball coach and get him to talk to him and give me an extension. You know, I want to call my parents and get them to call the college. And I knew that wouldn't work because I know my parents too well. What can I do? How can I figure this out so that I can get out of this negative situation because I was irresponsible? And at the end of the day, I just had to go to my professor and admit my failure. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm kind of new to this whole, like, you don't give me any warnings. And I just show up and there's a test. It was a difficult day in my life. It was a day that I learned some things that I didn't know before. And the earlier that we can teach our kids that, the greater that we'll prepare them for the future. We need to be parents who prepare our kids, prepare our child for the path that's ahead of them. Instead of being parents that prepare a path for our kids to travel on. There's a huge difference. And if you, like me, have a tendency to want to control things and circumstances and situations for your kids, it's, it's time for us to just hear. It's, it's a no-no. It's not the best thing. We have great intentions, but it's going to cripple our kids down the road. And if we want kids to be successful, it's got to be centered around their purpose in this world. And we can prepare them if we focus on them instead of the path that they have. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for an opportunity to be a parent. Those of us who have children here today, Father, I pray that you would give us just a wise heart when it comes to our kids. There's no formula, there's no manual, there's no perfect way to raise kids when it comes to the style that we choose. But help us to understand that our goal isn't for our kids to have easy, better happy lives. The goal is to prepare them, to train them for the path that you have ahead of them. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to make difficult decisions and to allow some things that are out of our control to stay out of our control and to begin to trust others and to begin to teach our kids and influence them rather than control the world that they live in. And I pray that the influence that you give us on our kids will be great. And Father, I just thank you for the example that you set for us when you sent your son Jesus to die for us. That you allowed him to walk down a path that fulfilled his purpose that wasn't easy for him, that, that didn't make him happy, and didn't even cause him to feel your love all the time. But you loved him enough to allow him to be prepared for his path instead of preparing a path for him. Help us to follow in that example. And I pray blessings on every parent and on every child. In Jesus' name, amen.